This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. All right, so I don't sound like Frank because Frank's not here. He normally is the first voice you hear on The Garden Show. I'm Charlie Dobbin, and I'd like to welcome my special guest, Paul DeGroot. Good morning, everybody. And nice to have you here again, Paul. You've been with us in the past. You work for NVK, which is a wholesale grower of nursery products. Trees, shrubs, evergreens, even getting into some perennials. Thank goodness, no annuals. Oh, yeah. Thank goodness. No (laughs) kidding. You need a lot of greenhouses for that. Yes. So, all right. And you are actually, you've come from the Flamborough area, so close to Hamilton, where your huge, huge, multi hundreds of acres of nursery is located. So uh, just stay with us because Paul's going to, at some point here, give us a little synopsis on how his day goes in, in a, in a wholesale nursery as a growing, as a nurseryman, really, is I guess what you are, right? Yeah. Okay. So, but to stay with our normal way of doing things here, let's start. Can you do the phone numbers for people that would like to call in with questions or tips or tricks for, from their gardens? And the numbers are local. 416-360-0740 and everywhere else 866-740-4740 oh, very and the rules are simple <laughs> call early call often but only one question per call and you can always call back right and, and people can, do somebody did that last week i know yeah you were listening last week yeah, good for you well. while you're watering i imagine working yeah. always working paul's such a hard worker he's just he's amazing so but we'll get to paul in a minute the couple of things that are going on in the garden world Many of the Hort Societies take a hiatus for the summer, but the Richmond Hill Garden and Hort Society does not. They are hosting an annual general meeting, excuse me, <clears throat> at the McConaughey Senior Center, 10100 Young Street, 7.30 p.m. this Tuesday. The guest speaker is Dan Cooper. I don't know if you know Dan Cooper. He wrote a book called, I think it's called Gardening, Gardening from a Hammock. So he's really laid back very fun guy. And in so many ways, I love him and hate him because his subject that he is presenting at the Richmond Hill Hort Society is exotic tropical flowers of Southeast Asia. Because Dan Cooper just happened to take a little trip around the world and visit botanical gardens in Singapore, Bali, Thailand, Borneo, Indonesia, and Malaysia. Like I said, I, I love him and hate him. He is reachable at www.gardeningfromahammock.com. Now, don't forget, Toronto Botanical Gardens is hosting their free concerts every Thursday night. It only happens during the summer, 7 o'clock. This Thursday, it's a showcase with Joanna Lindstead, Guitarist of the Year Flamenco. It's so cool. The the music happens um, on a podium, like if they fit, well, there's a bit of a stage, but you're in the gardens. So you got the birds, the trees, you know, the botanical gardens are all around you. And music full 
falling from the sky. Exactly. And an, another special aspect is that right now at TBG is ZimSculpt. So ZimSculpt is the sculptures from Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. And yeah. they, some of them are, are just beautiful. I mean, you just want to, just want to. Um, pet them. They're so beautiful. And, but you're not allowed to, right? Signs everywhere. Don't touch. Don't, don't, don't touch the stone. It, exactly. your, your skin oils are uh, not, not good. For not appreciated. Uh, so TBG is a place to go any day, seven days a week. But of course, Thursday nights are special. Um, I just want to share with you what's going on with me because I am in the process of packing up. I started to tell you I'm moving uh, soon. It's going to be 10 days. The truck's going to roll into my front yard. Uh, so to keep track of what I'm doing, I do have a website, charliedobbin.ca. But the neighbors are so cute. My neighbors are really already starting to get all sad. Hosted a barbecue for us last weekend. And then throughout the week, there's been knocks on my door and different neighbors have been bringing things by like, oh, too many zucchinis in my garden. Have some zucchini. Oh, I just bought a TV. Here's all the packing material. You probably need it. Oh, right? boxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, People bring meals so that you have more time to pack. Not yet, they're, but I've they're had not, they're not itching to get you out of your, their neighborhood. Not at all. Believe it or not, they're going to miss me. I think even uh, Helena, one of my neighbors, dropped by with some poetry the other day. So thank you for that. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty special. So um, that's uh, sort of what's going on with me, and more from Paul, of course. And we have another special friend on the line who we will get to right after these messages. <laughs> Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All right, today's Charlie Dobbin and Paul DeGroote. Thanks again for coming in. Thank you for the opportunity. It's always nice to see your smiling face. And speaking of smiling faces, we have a special caller who, just before we go to our regular callers, let's check in and see what's going on with Frank. He's on the line. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie, and hello, Paul. How are you? Good morning. It's Frankie man. Proctor. Frankie Proctor, you sound amazing. Your voice well, is back. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I just I just wanted to call in, let you, Charlie, and everybody else know I'm doing really, really well. That's it's good. just now been over a week mm -hmm. since uh, the operation I had on my left lung. And uh, can I give a shout-out to a fabulous surgeon, Dr. Marcello Seipel, and the whole team at Toronto General Hospital, they were marvelous. You, I uh, actually, on Tuesday, I came on Tuesday, and uh, let's see, on Thursday morning, uh, at 10 o'clock in the morning, Shirley took off the bandage. I had a shower. I've been out and about. I went to the bank. I went to dinner. Wow. Good for yeah, you. Uh, You've been out and about. Yeah, right. so you got onto your motorcycle so and... <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you, you're a hoot, Mr. DeGroote. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm feeling terrific, and I'm going to be back in the chair next Saturday morning. You are. Okay, so that's a confirmation, then. I don't need to find some poor person that I'm going to drag in off Brow the street. No. <laughs> Browbeat. <laughs> to come and, no. come and sit in your chair. No. That's but, wonderful. Yeah, no, I really I really feel good. Still, you know, recuperating somewhat. Yeah, of because course. Because you have to build up your capacity uh, again, and yeah. so doing a little walking and that sort of thing. Really, uh, really helps. Nice. Well, that's great. I did have a quick chat with Shirley this morning, and she did tune me in that, that you were still sleeping. Yeah, I'm so. trying to get as much sleep as I can. Yeah, good. You well, know. that you heal when you sleep, right? Sleep is important. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, but, it's good to hear yeah. your voice. Oh, thanks, Charlie. And you sound good, too, Paul. You got worried. You, you're so good in those numbers. Hey, <laughs> wait a minute. 
I want my job, you know. <laughs> you can have your job. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Guys. Paul's show, got everybody. enough of a job, I think, already. <laughs> I'm already working a job and a half. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Frank. We'll see you next week for sure. You bet. Love. And I imagine breakfast is on me. Probably my turn. <laughs> Wine, wine, wine. Dry toast and water. Anyway, so let's see. We have a few few minutes before we go to a break. Let's check in and see what Gloria's got to say. She's calling in from Toronto. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. I'm so happy that uh, he was doing much better. It's nice to hear his voice, too. Yeah. Um, I have a, um, it's a fuchsia. Mm-hmm. It's a hanging basket of fuchsia. I have it for my hummingbirds. Oh, nice. <laughs> But the problem is a lot of the blossoms are not opening up fully, and I'm not sure what's going on with this fuchsia plant. So it sets the round buds, and then they what? They just kind of start to get wrinkled and dry up and fall off? Uh, some of them do, and some of them, they're just, um, they just stay like that, oh, okay. and they don't dry up, and they're not opening up. Some of them on the basket are opening up, but not all of them. So I'm just wondering what's happening to these blossoms. Tell me how many hours of sunlight this plant is in. Well, it's um, it's actually hanging on a deck, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's a north north. It's on the north side of mm-hmm. my deck. That so I know that two or three hours, four or five hours. What do you uh, think? A little more than that. Oh, okay. Because um, yeah. the fuchsia like sun. I know they do. Yeah, I, but I've had them there before, and this is the first basket that is. Mm. Um, acted like yeah. this. I had one last year and it opened up fully. All the blossoms opened up and it was fine. But, yeah, uh, so sometimes it's the plant. And you, when you bought it in the hanging basket, it's probably in the same basket as when you bought it, right? Yes, I haven't changed the basket. Have you fertilized at all? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. Uh-huh. I do find sometimes those baskets, they're, they're, they have an artificial bottom in them, so there's yes. insufficient soil, so the roots really can't do much, so then the plant starts to uh-huh. struggle. Do you find yourself watering more than once a day? Um, I have a drip system oh, that comes you. on, and, and I also check it with my finger to see if it's okay. dried out, and I even have given it extra water. Yeah, because they love their water for sure. Yeah. Paul? Sounds like you've taken, you've covered all the bases. Like you you had this thing or you've had a fuchsia there before. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can remember about fuchsias is that you have to pinch off the old flowers. Okay. I've never done that before. Mm, That's a good point. Deadheading, we call that. Removing dead, spent flowers. Uh Encourages new flowers. Even, uh, how do I describe that? When the petals have already fallen off, Mm -hmm. but the berry, it's it's like a soft droop uh, (laughs) at the base of the flower. It's actually the the ovary of the plant. Okay, that's 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 a a better description. You do have to pinch those off. Yeah. It's just a thumb and a, and a yeah. you know, finger. Thumb and a forefinger. Yeah. yeah. Just pinch, you know, or get it with little, you know, manicure scissors, whatever. Just that, And you're right, Paul. It's probably a good point. Removing those will allow a little more air, a little more space, a little more sun to mm-hmm. penetrate. Buds might do a little better job opening. Yeah. It's got a lot of buds on it. I, nice. I'm not worried about that, you know, but they just don't 
Yeah, it's, it's that progression you're looking for. No, yeah, I get right. it. Um, the only other thing I would say is consider uh, getting a, a, a hanging basket pot that's one size bigger. So you're in a 10 inch. There is such a thing as a 12 inch out there, sometimes even a 14 inch. And mm-hmm. just it would be hard to do now because it's probably a fairly big plant to handle. Oh, but yes, it's quite large. I but I'll even, have to do it next year. Yeah, exactly. Do it next year right after you buy it kind of thing. Bring it home, right. repot it right away. And I think you'll find you'll see it. It, it just it's a. It becomes a bigger plant because it can do more in the way of root growth. So oh, okay. that would be a, my other only thought. Thanks, Gloria. I just want to mention quickly mm-hmm. uh, that formula for the hostas has worked. My hostas ah. are beautiful, no holes in the leaves. Nice. That's <laughs> okay. So that that formula. Do you know what formula that is, uh, it's Paul? Probably a slug. Uh, yeah, it's an early spring slug. It's not that yeah, one. I've got so many little um, recipes in my book. I got to put these on my website. I keep saying I'm going to do it. And I can't. You should mention it. it again because I was trying to look for. I know the ammonia goes into it. That's right. It does. It's and it's early in the spring <clears throat> before the hostas have emerged from the ground. Right. You spray the surface of the soil with ammonia. This is a Sean James recipe. Ah. Yeah. Paul is president of Sean James's fan club. Actually, they're each other's presidents. <laughs> yes. Of each he other's fan He respects me for. My knowledge, and I respect him immensely for yeah, all of his knowledge. Yeah, he's one clever guy. Yeah, uh-huh. Sean's got a couple of good recipes. Actually, no, he gave us the deer recipe, the one with the milk and the olive oil. That was Sean. All right, and then it's ammonia and water. Warner's got our special tomato recipe. And then there's another one. Anyway, they'll find it. Uh-huh. It's, um, yeah, it, it's uh, ammonia and water and spraying the surface of the soil just as the <clears throat> hostas are starting to emerge to kill the young uh baby slugs. And oh, it's wonderful. Snails. I'm so happy, and I've been a gardener for over 40 years, and, and I, I'm so happy to see my hostas looking beautiful. Good stuff. <laughs> Good to hear. I'm proud of you, too. Thanks for calling, Gloria. Let's, oh, we better take a quick break, and then we'll be right back to speak with Paul, who's calling in from Scarborough. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And we're right here, and we're happy to welcome Paul, another Paul, to the to the airwaves. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. What's going on uh, at morning, your place? Charlie and Paul. Um, I have a large cedar hedge um, that I normally trim up in the springtime. Hmm. I didn't get, I didn't do it this time uh, in the spring. I'm just wondering, when is the best time and can I do it now at this time of the year or should I wait till the fall? Oh, there's lots of uh, theories here. (laughs) Charlie and I actually disagree on the best time to prune. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, what's the best time? Your in your opinion, (laughs) in general, evergreens. The spruce is okay a little earlier, but most evergreens want to, in my mm-hmm. knowledge, evergreens want to be pruned in early July, early mid-July. July. Really? The heat? So that they have enough time to reset bud for next year. So should I, can I do it now then, or should I do it now, or should I in wait until next year? A cedar hedge, depending on the variety, of course, mm-hmm. but you can prune a cedar hedge almost any time you want, and it won't 
even notice it. <laughs> <laughs> the vigorous eater. My right. only issue, I think why I recommend doing the pruning on evergreens more like in June than in July is because they're actively growing in June. By July, they've slowed right down usually because of higher temperatures. So in June, when we make, particularly on an old cedar, those blunt pruning cuts, because we've got active growth and those blunt cuts get overgrown get hidden and, and camouflaged. And it looks so ugly right. after a while. But if you do some blunt cutting in, in August, September, October, you're looking at that, that those cuts right through till next June. Right? So that's, I think that's the reason why I recommend. depends how aggressively yeah. you prune. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, so I can see those blunt cuts. Yeah, like, on an old cedar. Yeah, sometimes it can be. And you are uh, aware, Paul, that you do not want to prune it vertical sides or even worse, narrower at the bottom. The other way around. You, that's right. You, that's right. You do not want narrower at the bottom. Yeah. So slightly wider at the base and no flat tops. Best to have a, a bit of a curve or a point or whatever on the top to shed snow better. Okay, yeah, that's, that's what I do. So, yeah. so it is okay to, to, to do it uh, now, um, and, but it may just look a bit uh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't do anything too radical, though. Right. Okay. Right now, at this time of year, in the, the heat of August, we're doing shearing, so we're taking off an inch or two. We're not taking off a foot or two. Okay, to, yeah, I, I wouldn't be doing that anyway. Okay. That's fine. If you need to take a foot or two off your cedars, then that's either end of the spectrum. So it's spring or fall, not summer, because it's just that's just too hard on a plant because of the high temperatures. Right. And and so so when you say that, should should I then wait till the fall then, or closer to the fall, or can I can I still? Oh, if you're just if you're, doing a light shearing, you can do it as Paul said. Do it today. Okay, great. Just don't do it on a rainy day. Okay, <laughs> I remember. Okay, thanks. Paul is frowning at me. The reason I I've think never heard that. Well, because again, you're wo- when you prune a plant, you're wounding it. So you're opening cuts. You're cutting it, yeah. and you're opening the plant to potential infection infestation. When it's raining, a plant heals much more slowly than on a dry, windy, sunny day where we get the callousing over the drying up oh, of the man, wounds. The more I learn about stuff, the <laughs> more I find out how little I know. No, it's just some of it's, it's to me it's like common yeah. sense, right? But see, but you work in a commercial situation. So you got your team, your crew cannot sort of sit down and and, and, and wait for a good day read to prune. A book. You gotta prune every day. <laughs> exactly. You prune when because you got to on a schedule. Yeah. So that's why for you pruning is something you just do when it needs to be done. But the homeowner who has a little more leeway and when they do their pruning can, you know, Choose days, choose dry days, choose sunny, yeah. windy days, choose early, late season. And yeah, of course, at NVK, they're probably pruning something right now as we speak, right? Well, thank Maybe. goodness <laughs> most of the crew is off on Saturdays in the summer. <laughs> yeah, good. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Okay, we better get some of our callers here. We could chitter-chatter for the whole hour. But look, a caller, Lorraine, is calling in from Cambridge, and she's got a question about trees. Good morning, Lorraine. Hi there. Um, look, at, I was um, I'm amazed at how people don't know about those about the trees. On my block, mm. there's se- several people with flat tops and narrow bottoms and etc. <laughs> but anyway, what I called about um, was um, an, an old maple that I have. It's in fairly good condition. I still tap it in the spring for oh, a little yeah. bit of syrup, very mm-hmm. little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I gave permission as my neighbor wanted to cut some big branches, which he did very well. I instructed him on the three-cut method. Mm-hmm. But one of the lower branches has got a strange um, shape like it's... Uh, he didn't... The, the top cut is right flush with the um, 
the, the trunk. Mm-hmm. The bottom cut is out because of the depth of the um, of the of the end of the trunk. Mm-hmm. The shoulder inserts. Yes, yes. And so, like to get it right flush on both the bottom and the top, I would have to retrim it another six inches. Mm. And uh, so, I was wondering if. Um, I should just leave it or try to get my grandson maybe to do that. It's on a mm. lower branch. It's not too bad. Or do you have some kind of a paint or something no. to put on it? No, no, no paint. No, no paint. <laughs> we agree on that. Paul That's and I right. agree. That's right. No paint. Actually, when I was cleaning out my garage, I found an unopened can of pruning paint. Unopened. Oh, it's a perfect kind. I know. Oh, pruning paint. That's what I meant. Yeah, that don't. Stuff. Yeah, don't Please use don't. It. 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 There was a time when it was thought that it would help trees heal, but then they learned it does the exact opposite. It slows down healing. So do not use it. If you've got any in your garage, just like me, you take it off your little environmental recycling center and don't even consider using it. But you, it's a really interesting question, the, the pruning question on a large limb. The, um, it's a bit hard on the radio to really explain this, but if you look at any plant, any tree, but obviously it's more obvious on a, on a maple tree or any, you know, more mature, uh, woody plant, where a branch meets the main stem, so, or, or you know, branches, yeah, exactly, uh, growing any, any, off. Any twig meets yeah, any, any other branch. Yeah, any larger branch. There is a slight area that's that's slightly swollen, and it's called the branch collar. A little ruffles, kind of. Yeah, and, and exactly. Yeah. It, it'll often have little wrinkles on it. It'll, it'll be, uh, like, when you look for it, you'll find it. When we remove a limb, we always cut to the outside of the branch collar, but just. So we don't leave a stub of dead wood, and we don't want to cut into the branch collar, because that's where all your, it's called meristematic tissue is. So you're highly um, uh, vigorous, very much of a growing area. Uh, is will mean that the whole thing will heal up faster if we prune just outside the branch collar. Sometimes we end up with really funny angles because of that, because we're following the collar. Or sometimes we can't actually prune at the collar because the wound we're going to make is going to be massive. Yeah. Way too big. Like you said, you're going to expose six more inches of of naked wood, you know, under the, the, the white Cambrian wood, it, if you do that, follow sort of that branch collar. So sometimes we can't. So it's a, it's a always, a, it's always a call. It's a bit of a, every pruning job is a bit different and every plant is a bit different. Okay. At the, off the top of my head, I would not recommend doing a bigger wound on the plant. That's why I called. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. Okay. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Give your grandson a little longer stub so he can climb the tree more easily. <laughs> then there's that too. <laughs> <laughs> Climbing is important. Um, okay, let's see. We have a caller. Jim's calling us from New York. He'll tell us where in New York, and he's got a question about waterfall plants. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, folks. How are you doing today? Excellent. Where in New York are you calling from? Well, I'm calling from a small town called Warsaw, and it's located right in between Rochester and Buffalo. So in the mm. summertime, we get the beautiful Rochester weather. And in the wintertime, we get the horrible Buffalo weather. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, you picked your spot, eh? <laughs> oh, if you like diversity, it's awesome. And it's awesome for gardening, too. Oh, good. We're having a beautiful morning here. So. Nice. It's also, gorgeous a quick, here. A quick shout-out to Mr. Proctor. I hope I wish him the very speediest of recovery. I didn't even know he had fallen ill. He, uh, so he... I, uh, Thank you. And I know he's listening, so he appreciates your kind thoughts. That's awesome. I love his show every night. Listen, guys, I've got a question about my waterfall grass. Uh, earlier this spring, uh, just to plant in uh, some big five-gallon planters, I bought some waterfall grass. 
Uh, as soon as I planted, I was immediately happy with you know what it added to to the side of my house and everything. Well, this stuff has grown phenomenal. <laughs> it's absolutely beautiful. It's it's feathered out. It's just gorgeous. So unlike other things I've planted in these planters for accents, I actually want to transplant it now into the ground. But I'm not sure what time of the year to do it, and I'm not sure how to get it through the winter. Could you kind of clue me in on how I can you know, make this last into next year so I can actually put it in the ground and have it prosper. Okay, so right. wh- what you're calling waterfall grass, is it a fountain grass? Yes. Okay, what color are the leaves? The leaves are a deep, dark, purplish brown <laughs> with Uh-oh. green towards the center. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay, so go ahead, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Should I tell you that that is an annual grass? It is about a zone nine. Is it if that? More, really, yeah. Really lucky. You can keep it alive in the house for the winter. Or but I have dormant. Tried. No. In a garage, no. no Shed. It's just Re- not. But remember, Jim's warmer where he is than where we are. No, not a lot. Not. Well, not by much, probably. No, he's probably still his own Oh, you're right. Bought right my local I'm surprised that they would sell something like that if it wouldn't uh, you know, survive a winter. Well, it, you'd be it surprised. It is <laughs> sold as a decorative, yeah. ornamental Grass. pot, yeah. potable yeah. plant. You can plant them in the ground, yep. but yes, they are still only an annual. And they are gorgeous. And they're yeah. flowering oh, and fruiting as we speak. Okay. It, you know what? If you want to double check, Jim, it's called purple fountain grass. Make sure that that's, okay. we're talking about the same thing. Uh, just a quick yeah. looking here on the web. Uh, Paul's bang on. It is uh, even the American hardiness own nine, which would be no. Canadian hardiness own 10. So yes, it is a very I, tender plant. It will not survive the winter without an awful lot of protection, like inside your home. I feel like I overwintered at one time, though. I feel like I, I find that really hard. Maybe to I brought it in. Maybe it was one of those things because I I have such a sunny living room. I've been able to. I don't let things go dormant. I bring mm-hmm. them in and yeah. just keep, keep them growing. Yeah, keep them going. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure yeah. you bought it at a garden center, and it was. Be- stored little, with the rest of the petunias and the marigolds yeah. that are known it as was. annuals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. an annual. Yeah. So one year only. Because it's just too tender. Unless you want to take that plant, move to Florida, and and, an idea. and it will live forever in Florida. Because <laughs> it'll never have, it'll never be too cold to kill it. So that's that's the one option. Okay. Send it send it off for the for the winter down south and bring it back for in the spring. Okay. Thank you for so much for your call. I appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> no, our pleasure. Thanks for calling. <laughs> Um, where are we? Um, yes, let's see where we are. We will, let's see, Kathy. Kathy's calling us from Thornhill. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. What's going on at your place? Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a problem with, we have two hibiscuses that we kept over the winter in the house. They were beautiful for a while and, uh, even flowered. And we got covered in mites. Um, Now they've come back. They're beautiful in the back, but all I have is green leaves. Mm. No flowers. So can you recommend a type of fertilizer? Have you been fertilizing at all? My husband has. He's been giving it plant food. I know. What kind do you know? Let me ask quickly. Um. <laughs> well, the, like just there's so many different kinds of fertilizers. Just make sure it's a flowering plant fertilizer designed to encourage blooms. Don't do any pruning because, of course, pruning is now would take off where buds might. Okay. Is Kathy there still? She went to talk yeah, to her. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. Pruning is a bad idea now. 
for fear of removing any buds that might be forming. Make sure it's okay. in a sunny location and make it suffer for lack of water a bit. Be, give it a hard time. Give it a hard, yeah. Some tough really? love is required. Oh. Yeah. Hibiscus really respond to tough love. Tough love is oh. where it, it says, I'm thirsty. And you say, okay, I'll, I'll look at you in a couple hours. Like you just l- let it get to the point, not where it's falling down limp, but let okay. the leaves lose some of their luster so that they're not okay. shiny. Even if they get a little bit of a, a flag to them, a little bit of a droop, then give it a thorough watering. Make sure you've got a saucer beneath so it can really absorb into the pot, really, you know, saturate the root ball. But um, only do that as required. And sun is good. It, you're more likely to get flowers if you can get it in a sunny spot. Oh, yeah, it is in a sunny spot. Okay. But, but um, did you say to give it... Um, plant food or? Yeah, yeah, a flowering plant food. Flowering. There's an awful lot of them out there. Typically, they'll have a higher middle number than the first and third number. Okay. 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 And can I throw in one more question? My husband wants to know when to transplant. One question for caller. Call 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 off. I know. No, call back. Seriously, call back. Thanks, Kathy. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, All right. Just before we go to a quick break, Paul, can you, for, for our listeners who, you know, these are, you can hear, they're hobby gardeners. These people are passionate about their plants. So you work with plants for a living and people must say to you, oh, you're so lucky you get to work with plants. Give us a synopsis of your day working with plants day after day, starting at what, 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, right. (laughs) Uh, Like this morning. No no two days are the same. Uh, I can be sure of that. (laughs) Uh, Well, this morning I had to get up at 4.30 so that I could make it here by Mm. 20 to 9, mm. but I had to water or at least oversee the watering of about 20 acres. Wow. And that's one, two, three, four different pumps. <laughs> and, and valves everywhere. And this valve and crank that valve because yeah. this section needs it for only about eight and a half minutes, but this one needs it for about 20 minutes. Oh, this yeah. one needs it for an hour and maybe five. And do you actually stand there and do time uh, the different zones? Times written on a piece of paper on my uh, pocket. There are times written on my hand inside and out. And, and do you have a bicycle to get around or how do you get around? I usually use a four wheel drive. Wow. ATV sort of AT, thing. Yeah, yeah. RTV. We'll call it oh, RTV. R- okay. This morning it was pretty cold outside. Wasn't it? It was 13 degrees according <laughs> to my truck. So I chose to take my truck around. Oh. Now my truck is very, very, very Muddy. dirty. <laughs> oh, well. But I stayed warm. Yeah, good. You had the heat on. And so one of the things you do is you, because you're a wholesale grower, your your customer is not the average homeowner, but instead it's the landscape contractor or landscape garden architect. Oh, and garden center owners as well. So these are the people that are coming to you and saying, I need this or I need 20 of that or whatever. Yeah. And your job is to take them out into the field and show them what you've got, let them tag or and let them tag or load up a truck yeah, and, yeah, and uh, big trees, little come trees. in and say, I need 20 of these, three of these. And I'm looking for one really neat specimen thing. I want it to do this and oh, this yeah. and this. That's I when got, you have to know your variety. Just the thing. Yeah, you're good for that. <laughs> and Japanese maples, no shortage of those, eh? How many do you think? Every, how many think just um, in general almost, in almost inventory? Every job. Yeah, I know. Almost, well, every homeowner job has yeah, one, one Japanese. sometimes two. Yeah. Uh, most of the commercial jobs, well, street tree planting. No, not Japanese. Yeah. But, but, but if you were to give me a round number, how many Japanese maples you have on site right now? Just multi-thousands or yes. are we sold down? Oh, I'm my. going to multi-thousand. Still. Uh, amazing. Yes. And it would have been three times that in the spring. It was a few more, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> wow. Interesting job. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We got to go for a quick break and then we'll be right back to speak with Shelly. She's calling us from St. Catharines. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Good. We're here. We're back. I'm dancing to the music. I love that little intro. Is that fun? And it'll be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Oh, good. That's good. I like that. I hope it's stuck in everybody's head. There you go. (laughs) Okay. We've got Shelly on the line calling from St. Catharines. Good morning, Shelly. Shelly, are you there? Yeah. Um, Some love and blessings from his old stomping ground here in St. Kitts. Thank Um, you for Frank. We're we're thinking of you, hon. Take care. (laughs) Charlie, I have an issue with rhubarb. Mm-hmm. I have a, a a strawberry rhubarb plant mm-hmm. that has just gone flat on me. Oh. The, the the stalks have no um, osmosis going on in them at all. They're not hard. They're soft. They're limp. The leaves are looking terrible. And this just suddenly happened. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been. Is, it's been like it's been struggling with something, and then all of a sudden I looked at it yesterday, and it was just bleh, all all over the ground. Oh, really? Like, just you just saw this? Yes. Okay, I'm just doing a really quick search on the web. Um, there are some root and crown rots of rhubarb. Okay, well, I looked at the at the crown, which I'm thinking is the top, just at the at the soil level. Exactly. Yep. And it's it's looking it's it's kind of soft in there as well. Right, which is not a good sign. No, no. And I thought, okay, are we not getting enough sun? Um, you know, like my husband waters it about once every 4 days. Um, what's you know, is there something else going on with it? Mm-hmm. And does on- this spread because I have another plant but it's a good distance away from this one. Um, cuz I sure don't want to lose my other one. <laughs> oh, you have another rhubarb not far away? Well, it's, it's about uh, 50 feet away okay. from it. All right. So good point. Yes, I was going to say, um, typically fungal diseases, bacterial diseases are very species specific. So likely you do have either a fungal or a bacterial disease in your current strawberry rhubarb. Okay. So be very careful if you're doing any digging, any pruning, any touching of that plant, that you follow good hygienic standards before you move and touch the other rhubarb. That includes okay. your fingers, your tools, your you know pruners, etc. Right. Um, not such a big deal going to a maple tree because there's, the rhubarb disease is not going to affect anything but another rhubarb. Well, that was another concern I had because it's kind of under a, a huge mm-hmm. walnut tree. Okay. <clears throat> and I thought, oh dear, I, I have heard where you shouldn't plant certain plants underneath, you know, walnuts for their leaves and yeah, you know, so the walnuts it, falling and everything. No, no and it's I not thought, oh, just... I wonder <laughs> if this has got something to do with it too. It could, absolutely, because it's not just walnuts falling, it's the fact that walnut trees are just so narcissistic, they don't want anything growing around them, so they actually exude a chemical from their roots into the soil. 
And that okay. chemical well, that, that makes... May explain why my beets and my peas down in that garden are looking very... Insipid. Non, non-healthy also. <laughs> yeah, that absolutely <laughs> explains it. So okay. your job is to find plants that will... Nothing really thrives beneath a walnut, but many plants will survive beneath okay. a walnut. So, And there are good lists on the web. I know at the University of Guelph, uh, if you go to their website, they always had a list posted because we did studies there years ago on what can survive beneath walnut trees. And so it's things like ornamental grasses, etc. Some hostas do well, but other plants, not in, so much. In general, native plants will do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, white cedar is one that really seems hits to me. grow uh, anywhere. Hem- hemlock will dogwoods do probably. Well, this is a raised but, vegetable plant. Oh, well, that's good. That's good because you so are. I'm uh, with something in a pot. Yep. Then be better in, in that area. Be be better or, than being planted into the soil. That's right. Exactly. The more you can protect whatever you're planting's roots from the soil and roots that the walnut's growing in, the better. So even a, a raised bed is a very good idea, yep. and even raising it higher is a good idea. But the walnut will take advantage of that and you know use that Fill lovely, in soil. That lovely soil. As <laughs> right. well. There are people who are studies. Sorry, there are studies. Recent studies that suggest that. This theory that walnuts e- emit a poison that poisons everything else is all a pile of funk. Oh, really? And it's just that walnuts are such heavy feeders. They want so much fertilizer and so much nutrient that they steal it from anything around them. Really? Uh, I'm still not sure if I believe that. No, I've really seen the effects yeah. of well, walnuts. Because the gardens in the and like in the back, we have a large back garden, and and all the other areas that are not near the the walnuts are doing well and looking very healthy. Mm-hmm. But this one raised planter that is down much closer to the walnut tree, all the vegetables in there are not looking as healthy as in the other. Planters. Mm-hmm. That would support the something's happening that in the soil. Yeah. Both right. theories. True. Uh, okay, so here's the bottom line. If that rhubarb has been diseased through a fungal or a bacterial infestation, destruction of that plant is you're going to be your best bet to avoid spreading disease. Okay. However, you're not going to be sure that that's the case because it could be more of an effect from the walnut. What I would do is I would dig up that plant, get it into a planter, a, a container of whatever size, get it away from that walnut, get it into a sunny spot, make sure it's a well-drained but soil. away from your other... And definitely away from oh, yeah. any other rhubarbs and see what happens. See if you see any new growth. Give it a couple of weeks. Uh, if it just continues to decline, then it's it's compost and preferably not compost on the property, but compost off the property. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but if you do start to see a little bit of new growth, then there's hope, and just let it you know come along, and then in the fall find a new spot in a different location to replant. When I it. dig it up, should I take pull the the the, the wilted stems and and leaves? Oh off? yeah, there, if, so unless they're like green. Start. Well, if there's any green in those leaves, I wouldn't cut them all away because they are photosynthesizing. But right. they're, if they're completely yellow or brown, absolutely cut them away. Okay. Okay. Oh, you're a wealth of information. Thank you so very much. <laughs> well, Paul's a great helper here, too. Thanks for calling, Shelley. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Quick break. We will be right back oh, after this message. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie Dobbin and Paul DeGroote today. Welcome again, Paul. Thanks Thank for coming. Thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity. Yep, we're having some fun. 
Yeah. We're not getting through a lot of callers, I noticed, but we were having yeah, some we're fun. We're having fun. We're talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and remember the mantra, call early, call often. One question per caller. Let's talk to Shirley calling from Niagara. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on at your place? I am a first-time caller. Oh, my goodness. We don't have the bell. a gardener. There you go. Yep. I have five milkweed plants. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to get my butterflies going. I've got five caterpillars on the go right Ooh, now. Oh, nice. Excellent. Yes. Now, uh, this milkweed, do I cut it down in the fall or not? Do I just leave it? Well, do, do you want more milkweed next year? Oh, definitely. So let the flowers pursue uh, the pods. They will get big. Oh, those, uh, those are flowers, those pods? Well, yeah, it starts with the pink Jeez. flowers, and then it makes them really funny looking sort of look like cucumber, half a cucumber yeah, kind of pods. Yeah. Let those mature. They will split open on their own, and inside they're full of seeds with little furry tails on kind them. like dandelions. Yeah, they're oh, more like, well, like a badminton um, birdie, right? right? It's Because ah, yeah, okay, it's got right. the furry on one yeah. end and the little seed, seed on the ball. other end, the, the heavy part. And they'll fly away to your, all your neighbors, but they'll also drop within your yard. So let that happen before you cut the plant so down. So I don't cut them down at all. I just leave them. Oh, you let cut them down. F- let nature do its thing. But She's okay. been... <laughs> and leave the pods on because yeah. I, I didn't... Last year when I put them in, like I put them in the year before, I think, but I just had small plants last year. Mm-hmm. Now, this year, they're getting really tall and sort of thick-looking. Mm. But I, I, the, I didn't have these pods before, and I didn't know what they were. Oh, well, that's great. So you've got the flowers. You're going to have some seeds. You can cut that plant down later in the fall after we've had some good hard frost. And after so, these November. pods have opened? Yes, absolutely, after nature has run its course okay. or cut down in the spring. So you will cut down at some point. So it's either late fall or early spring. Okay, fine. That's all I wanted to know then. I'm going to try and save them and hope they have my butterflies come next year. Yeah, good for you. Okay, thank you very much. Starting your own little sanctuary there. I I love it. Good for you. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Um, All right, let's see if we have time to fit in. Riley calling from Unionville. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Uh, Good morning, Charlie. Uh, I have um, um, some cucumber plants Mm -hmm. that grow like absolutely crazy, like the rest of my veg garden. (laughs) Good. They have lots of blossoms and no cucumbers. Oh, Uh, lots of blossoms, no cucumbers at all? uh, Well, I had two. Or have you got any netting over top of these cucumbers? Uh, no. no, but they are just not, uh, you, when you see the blossoms, they have not got that little, you know, setting at the, at the, at the end to show a little cucumber might be coming. All right. So good point. Nothing at all. Okay. So cucumber. Uh, they, they grow wild. Like they are, you know, yeah. going in all directions cool. and beautiful flowers, beautiful plant, no cucumbers. Now I've had that problem in a smaller way before mm-hmm. other years. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the problem? Here, let me tell you. So cucumbers have two kinds of flowers. They have male flowers and female flowers. Yeah. What is required in order to get fruit are little tiny insects to visit the different flowers and in that process move the pollen from the male flower to the female flower, fertilize it, and fruit will form. 
Yeah, I sort of realized that, but uh, and I've even been uh, doing a little blowing. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, you might have to beat a little insect. The way it works with cucumbers and squash flowers is they bloom typically very early in the morning, right around sunrise. Yeah. So do you have automatic irrigation? No. No, okay, good. Because I say sometimes that irrigation comes on at knocks all the pollen out of four or five in the morning and scares away the insects and knocks all the pollen out and we get no pollination. So no, it's, I just, I water them, I fertilize them. Okay, it's I all good. do everything and uh, I know they need to be pollinated, but you know, the rest of the vegetables grow like crazy. All right, so your job, because we're going to run out of time here in a few seconds, your job is to get a little fine paintbrush and be the insect. So you get down there early in the morning and you go from flower to flower just with your little paintbrush or q-tip either one in and out of every little flower and you become the little the, the pollinator and that is unfortunately sometimes what we have to do if we don't have insects doing it for us thank you very much Riley, for calling we got to let you go because we have mere seconds and again i just i paul i really want to thank you for coming in appreciate all hey. that you bring Thank you for teaching me things every single time I listen. Well, our listeners don't know that often after the show, when I check my phone, you have sent me all kinds of little text oh, messages of, of what you would have said if you had been in the, in the, in the <laughs> so studio. Giving me the opportunity. So I just want to, you know, be clear that that's, that's the way that works. Thanks again, Paul. Thank you, everybody. Tim, Frank, see you next week. Thanks to our great callers. See you, see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.